The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R.com. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 51, and tonight I am joined by a very special guest, the fabulous, the talented, the hilarious Mr. Homer Mars, who's joined me to sit down and talk about that Julian Sands blast from the past. Is it a classic? Is it not? I don't know, but it's Warlock. And we're going to talk about his music, too. But mostly we're going to talk about Warlock. And regardless of whether it's a classic or not, it got a really cute guy to come on the show with me. <laughs> and then I'm putting listener Trey in front of the firing squad because I am taking his advice and watching Grave Encounters. And the results are not going to be pretty. And finally, the crapshoot is back, as predicted, when we're finally taking a look at Guillermo del Toro's Los Ojos de Julia, otherwise known as Julia's Eyes. Hey, Julia, shut your ojos! Nobody gets that but me. Shut up! Anyway, we are more packed full of entertainment than that revolving door was at Grand Central Station with those three Czechoslovakian women stuck in it, so let's stop talking and let's start the party. Yeehaw! Hey, what's the matter for you? You like the zombies? You like the mobsters? Then you're definitely gonna like the zombie mob. It's got everything. Zombies, mobsters, zombies. It's got the family. And especially, it's got the zombies. So put your iTunes to the zombie mob. Order your browser to thezombiemob.blogspot.com. The Zombie Mob. It's an offer you cannot refuse. Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome back to another episode. It is a pleasure, as always, to be spending time with you. Now, first off the bat, I've got some great, exciting news. Remember those t-shirts I keep talking about? The official Scream Queens t-shirts? that have been promising for months and months and months. Well, they're finally available. Yes, Mr. Brad has finally got the page functioning, so head on over to uh, www.screamqueens.com, that's Queens with a Z, and there's a great big banner right there on the top. Click on it, it'll take you right on over to the page, and you can order yourself an official Scream Queens t-shirt. Think about it. My face, your boobs. Let's party. And it's just $20. Plus shipping and handling. Really, what could be more fabulous than that? Well, yes, my tiara, but you know. <laughs> Please, do I have to go into that again? You're not getting it. Not for 20 bucks, not for a million bucks, not for nothing. So what's been going on this week? Um, well, I'm in my fourth week of a program over at the Gay and Lesbian Center here in New York City. And it's the Smoke Free Project. It's a six-week program. To get me off cigarettes, I'm in week four, and I'm doing fantastically. So yay, round of applause for me, round of applause for me. And um, it's kind of funny how much quieter things are in my head now. 
without that addict voice nagging me all the time. Because before, I was really kind of, you don't really notice it till it stops, but you're always worrying about, oh my God, am I going to have my next cigarette? Do I have time for my next cigarette? Where is my next cigarette? Am I out of cigarettes? You must get cigarettes now, now, now. And then when you're online for the cigarettes, it was, you dirty piece of filth. Look at you here. You are spending money that you can't afford on a habit that you don't even enjoy. And then when you're smoking, you're like, I hate myself. I hate this. Oh my God, that's my last one. Get more, get more. So... These are quiet in my head. Not too quiet because I'm still crazy, you know, as, 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 as well, as a crazy as a batshit bat. That's what I'm saying for. So, uh, so don't worry. I'm still not going to make any sense whatsoever for the next hour and a half or so. Now, this is like, it's an anonymous thing. So we're not supposed to talk about what goes on there. And we're not supposed to talk about the people there. But I just got to tell you this because it made me really happy. There's a guy in the group. I'm going to call him Mr. R. And... He's been trying for a really long time to quit. And with this program, you don't have to quit right away like in the first week. You know, you're encouraged. This is the week, actually, that you're supposed to quit. I've been quit for a while, but you have to stop smoking by this week. You know, try the patches, you know, get into that whole thing. So he hasn't started. By the last meeting last night, he hadn't started it yet. And, you know, we were at the part where we're sharing because, you know, it's a support group. So we have to share. I'm doing finger quotes. And um, he's like, well... You know, I was outside smoking a cigarette, and, you know, I was down the block a bit because, A, you're not supposed to smoke in front of the building, and, B, he was afraid that our instructor would catch him and he'd feel guilty. But, uh, anyway, he was standing there smoking a cigarette, and some woman walked by, and she did that thing, that thing that I hated even when I didn't smoke because it's so obnoxious. She was walking past, and she was doing that, (coughs) you know, waving her overly manicured hand in front of her little mouth, giving him dirty looks. And he looked at her right in the face and he just said, go fuck yourself. She said, excuse me? And he said, go fuck yourself. Have you ever been addicted to something that you're trying to give up? Have you ever tried to give up something? Have you ever been addicted to something? Well, (coughs) to you too. Go fuck yourself. And I was like, right on, sir. Right on, sir. That is the way to behave. That is exactly what I would have said in that situation. Or at least that's what I would have pretended I would have said when I spoke to you guys. So for that, Mr. R, you are the Scream Queen of the Week. Congratulations. Bravo. Bravo. You know what? Give the cigarette up and I might consider letting you hold my tiara for like 30 seconds or so, but you're not getting it. You know, it would be a monumental and, you know, celebratory feat if you kick the habit or break the addiction, I should say. But, Tiara, you go fuck yourself. Thank you very much. The thing that's been scaring me about this whole quit process is I've realized the kind of damage I've done in the house. Because I I don't smoke in the house. I never did. But I've noticed the cats have been incredibly insane this week. Unusually insane. Actually, for the past couple of weeks, they've just been really, 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 really hyperactive really, really strung out, and really, really bad. So I'm not sleeping well, and I'm just thinking about myself, and I brought that up in my share last night, and our instructor said, well, they're detoxing too. And I said, what? And he said, well, you got them addicted to nicotine too. And I said, I didn't smoke in the house. And he said, you come in with it on your hands, and you pet them. They lick their fur, they get addicted. So cut them some slack. So Sebastian, Tyler, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And don't think you're going to be stretching this out for six months to get extra treats and shit because you're not. Okay? Okay. 
So I have to give a whole lot of congratulations out to some of my actor friends out there. First of all, I don't know what's going on with this channel called Investigation Discovery. Now, you might remember that from a couple of weeks ago, my friend um, Dana from the murder mystery that I worked on, she was on it in that crazy pregnant woman versus pregnant woman and one wanted to cut the baby out of the other one like that movie Inside but for real and actually I lied to you guys it was actually Dina who was the victim she was the one who actually fought off the girl and the crazy girl and killed her so you know it's st she still gets Scream Queen of the Week don't think you're getting it twice bitch I already gave it away you can go talk to Mr. R about that and trust me he's not really in a good mood this week anyway but I've got all these friends appearing on it now my friend Ben just was on it last week on Scorned colon Love kills. And he's the sweetest man. He's the sweetest little angel-faced man. And they had him playing this guy addicted to strippers. He was cheating on his wife and he eventually strangled her, strangled her in the bathtub. But what I was really happy about, there was lots of sexy scenes with him. You know, getting massages and in the shower and looking, you know, all longingly into the camera. I'm like, Mr. Ben, my lord. And plus, Elena Acker's going to be on that show too. Remember her? She was on the first and only episode of Drama Queens. Um, and we talked about her show, Mother Eve's Secret Garden of Sensual Sisterhood. And we played some of her music. And she's playing a hooker who gets killed by a serial murderer on some episode coming up. I believe that's Silent Voices, Stolen Lives. You know, they're all pretty much the same show, but they all have different titles. So... Bravo to Discovery, uh, to Identification Discovery Network for getting my friends all these jobs. Now, how about getting me one, fuckers? I could be a victim. Because you all know I'm crazy. It, you know, being a killer wouldn't even be a stretch. But I'm off the point. By the way, Elena's show's coming back to New York. For those of you who did listen to uh, Drama Queens, Mother Eve's... Uh, Central Garden, uh, whatever the fuck that title is, is coming back to The Pit, the People's Improv Theater, for one night at the end of February. So stay tuned for more details about that. Enough about these people. Fuck them. Let's talk about RuPaul. Did anybody see the first RuPaul last night? Oh, my God. It had a zombie theme. Yeah. They had to survive the RuPocalypse and design uh, an outfit for the RuPocalypse. And they took him off to some, like, deserted motel in some ghetto neighborhood. And the next thing you know, all these old contestants from the show come stumbling out dressed like drag zombies. And they had to make an outfit based on what they could snatch off these other former contestants. And then build an outfit fit for a post-apocalyptic queen. Now, these beauty queens, some, you know, the ones that are based on their beauty and their fashion, they had no idea what to do with this at all. So they were lost. But there is a drag queen on the show. Her name is Sharon Needles. Now, when she walked through the door, she was dressed in a witch's hat and in horror drag. So I already like her. And her name, another point, because that's just evil. She ate this shit up. She came out in this, like, really insane but beautiful, scary outfit. And I was applauding all these snotty little bitches like, I don't look at that ugly drag. She don't look pretty at all. I'm like, yeah, she does. She looks scary, beautiful. And Elvira was the host, guest host. And Elvira was like, that bitch is awesome. The other thing that's interesting, one of the contestants, Willem, is uh, one of the performers who was in Ticked Off Trannies with Knives. And if you remember, we talked about one drag queen in particular whose character name I don't remember, who stole the movie. Well, that's her. She's pretty much the same person off screen, off screen as she is on screen. And the other queens don't know how to, what to do with it yet because her sense of humor is kind of particular. But since I'd watched that movie, I'm like, ah! <laughs> And this morning, Trey's online going, I don't like her. She's got attitude. I'm like, Trey, you're so backwards. I love you. <laughs> oh, one more, one more. 
Okay, this starts off like theater-related news. You know my friend, my friend Owen. You know, the one all of you think doesn't exist because I'm always talking about him coming on the show, and he never does. Well, actually, he did come on for the second episode of Drama Queens, which w- was corrupted and never, you know, the file got corrupted, and I'm still apologizing for that, but he called bitching. That's not the point right now. However, he's written a musical uh, version of the movie, of the story of Sybil, you know, the woman with 14 different personalities. It was a TV movie starring Sally Field back in the 70s, and it was a very famous story. So he's written a musical version of it, and we did a, a table read of it. He asked me to be all the male roles. And uh, Elena Acker playing Sybil and kicking ass, might I add. But this is not the point. At some point, I took a break, and I, I had not quit smoking yet, so I went outside to get a cigarette. And I'm in the elevator, and the elevator is fitted with these, you know, little screens that, you know, give you the time and the temperature and, like, today's headlines and what's interesting and what's going on. And one of the headlines read, Viking Massacre Ends Unexpectedly. Viking Massacre Ends Unexpectedly? And I'm looking at it because there's no description. There's no blurb underneath explaining what the hell that means. And I'm puzzled. I'm like, is it a football thing? I don't think there are Vikings playing this weekend. And I'm saying, what? So if it wasn't a football game, it was a massacre. But it ended unexpectedly. So I'm picturing, what did that mean? Did it rain teddy bears and everybody wound up hugging? Because that would be a cool ending. Everyone's like, oh, you know what? Never mind. This, no. Okay, no, you look good. No, I love your hair. No, no, I hope you win. I hope you win. No, I hope you win. But it turned out it was actually about a Viking massacre. It was a historical thing that some Viking invasion did not go as history had once said. And I'm thinking, why was this top news? But thank you for the amazing headline. So before we get into the show proper, I just want to say uh, it's a quickie review of a movie that I saw on Instant Watch on Netflix, a British movie called Spider Hole, which really doesn't say much about the movie. And, you know, in some circles, I could see it as an, you know, gag title for the porn version of Spider-Man. Spider Hole, Spider Hole, fill it up with the Spider Pole. But I digress, but it's about four um, British university students who decide to start squatting to save money so they break into an old house that they're going to squat in, and things don't go as expected because as soon as they wake up, they find they can't get out. And this was kind of interesting for a while. The mood was pretty good. I was okay with the characters. And when they first were realizing they can't get out, I said, this is kind of cool. Because like another movie I'm going to talk about this show, I wasn't sure if the threat was human or if it was supernatural. But it felt really supernatural, and that was working, and then it turns out it's human, and then it turned into torture porn, and then it just turned boring, and then at the end, I was like, what just happened? So, spider hole. Spray it with Raid. Keep on walking. Now, before I go into the show proper, I do want to share with you a magical experience that did happen this week. Guys, I'm just looking at my notes for the week, and they're all kind of, you know, kind of boring, kind of clinical, not that funny, but... I think you'll enjoy this one. Now, some of you might already know it if you follow me on Facebook. Me on Facebook, not the show. I didn't put it on the show notes because I figured I was going to share it with you here. But anyway, not the point right now. I'm sitting in Wendy's. You know, I went, I forget. I was coming home from something. I was starving and I stopped at Wendy's to get something to eat. So I got my usual. I got my, you know, half apple pecan salad, a small chili, and a, and a lemon water because, you know, a girl's got to keep her figure and everything. And I'm in there, and for some reason, whatever they were playing on the radio, it was all 70s. It was all disco. You know, I'm like, nobody gets too much heaven anymore. And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating, and I'm kind of doing a crossword puzzle at the same time, so I'm multitasking all over the place. And 
Le Freak comes on. You know, ah, freak out. Dink, 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 dink. Le Freak. C'est chic. Freak out. Now, I had that record as a kid, and oddly enough, my parents bought it for me. I don't know how, and not just the 45, they bought me the whole album. I didn't ask for it. They bought me a disco album. So again, another reason why I grow up gay, Mom. You took me to a Liberace concert, you took me to a Liza Minnelli concert, and you gave me a disco album all before I was eight years old, and you wonder why I turned out this way. But I thank you for that. And hopefully all y'all do too. Anyway, back to Wendy's. Now, what I didn't realize, as I'm, as I'm eating my salad and doing my crossword puzzle, I was unconsciously not only singing along with Le Freak by Chic, I was, I was bopping along to it. I'm sorry, no, 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 that's not true. I wasn't bopping along to it. Patrick was getting down, getting down in the Wendy's, getting his freak on. And I didn't realize I was doing it until I looked up and caught eyes with a woman across the restaurant. And had this frozen moment of terror with her. And she was looking at me the same way. Because I realized she would have been doing the same thing. She was also shaking her groove thing. Unconsciously to the freak by Chic in the Wendy's. And we stared at each other. For what felt like an eternity. And then all of a sudden we both just like went right back to it. Singing and dancing double time super hard. And it was a magical unexpected moment in... A place where magic probably doesn't happen very often. Or if it does, I really don't want to know about it because it probably happens in the men's room. That was gross. Okay, I've been talking long enough, so it is time to get the show started because we have lots of stuff to get to and it's going to be so much fun. So Patrick, shut the hell up and aw, freak out! That's crazy. Listen to us. I'm sure you'll be amazed. It's fun to be happy by everyone. It's up to you. Sure, they can't be done. Young and old are doing it, I'm told. Just one try, and you two will be sold. It's called the freak. They're doing it not today. Allow us, we'll show you the way. Aw, freak out. In the middle of Wendy's. Freak out. Eat your salad. Oh, yeah. Who cares what the manager says? We all freak out. All that pressure got you down. Has your head spinning all around. Feel the rhythm. Chant the rhyme. Come on along and have a real good time. Not the days ah, stopping as a boy. Now we freak. Oh, what a joy! Just come on down to the 54. Find your spot out on the floor. Oh, freak out! Take a little, freak a little, freak a little. Hey, freak, say sheep. Freak out! I'll take a child to Boston and avoid. Fucking A, freak out! What the hell you mean you don't got no apple pies? Fuck you, freak out! I'm gonna go get some chicken McNuggets from that hooker down the street. Woo! Let freak, says she. Is the song over yet? God, this is long. Aw, freak out. Okay, I freaked out. Enough, 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 enough.
Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul. 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 So for those of you listening for the first time, the crapshoot section of the program is when I dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. So this week, the turd I'm aiming for is, is the new Guillermo del Toro produced Los Ojos de Julia, or Julia's Eyes. Now, I'm going to play the trailer, but it's in Spanish. Now, I don't normally do that, but you know what? I'm feeling Trey International at the moment, so bust out your Rosetta Stone, and let's listen. You're there. You're going to be watching me. Guillermo del Toro presents... The forensic team saved Sara over all night last night. I'm sorry, Julia. I hear she had a degenerative disease. A progressive loss of her sight. Like my wife. Nobody imagines. What if she wasn't belong? What if she was with someone? Julia, don't make her anxious. Nobody understands. Marcester was here with the men! He's an invisible man. A boy. I have said no Nobody. How can we find a man who nobody seems to have ever seen? Not even you! Except the next victim. Did you know somebody's watching on every move? Julia, for God's sake! Oh. Who's there? How do you find the truth? I feel so educated all of a sudden. Anyway, Julia's Eyes is a story of, well, okay, it's from the same director as The Orphanage, as you heard in the trailer. Or maybe it isn't, if you don't speak Spanish like I do all of a sudden. So this movie not only reunites uh, Guillermo and the director of The Orphanage, whose name completely eludes me, but it also brings back the star of The Orphanage, Belan Rueda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and if not, well, she's not here, is she? No. So you're thinking, well, this is going to be a great supernatural story. Well, is it or isn't it? That's the question that I kept asking myself 
for 75% of the movie. Anyway, Belan plays Sarah. And um, at the beginning of the movie, she's got this sister, see? And both of them have this degenerative eye disease, and they're both going blind. But her sister is much further along than she is. So her sister, Julia, dies at the beginning of the film. And everybody thinks it's a suicide, that she hung herself. But we know it's not, because we were there. Yes, she did have a noose around her neck, and her eyes are all, like, freaky and, you know, cataracty and stuff, and it was really scary. But the whole time, she was talking to somebody else, saying, you know, I can smell you, you son of a bitch. I hate you, and I know you're watching me. And the camera's panning around, but you're not seeing anybody. And then all of a sudden, boop! The table gets knocked out from underneath her, but not by her. So somebody hurried her along, is what I'm saying. But the thing is, for a huge portion of the movie, I did not know. I could not figure out if the threat here was human or something supernatural. Was it a ghost? Is it just some, you know, freaky killer? Or is it a little bit of both? Now, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I really enjoyed this movie. No, it's not up to the level of the orphanage. But it's got that same kind of a mood. You know, it's it's you know more based in reality for the most part. It's got the same look. It's got the same feel. Um, Belan is an incredible act. You know, both here and in the orphanage, she always brings this sense of gravitas and maturity to her work that, you know, you don't normally see in horror movies. And it's refreshing. And I'm sorry, I did not notice. Maybe I'm the only one who didn't notice in the orphanage. She's got an incredible rack. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. And her tits are front and center this whole movie and that's not a bad thing i mean if you got them you flaunt them and they're not it's not in a sleazy way but they always just seem to be center screen just looking perfectly round and just perfection of breasts she never exposes them but you know what it didn't matter i guess the only drawback to it is that i kept being distracted by her titties because i'm like man those are amazing titties and this is me talking this is me this is me, super homo. Yes, I know all gay men love breasts, but there comes a point where, you know, like, I've seen them, I've noticed them. That's nice. However, I just kept being like, damn. 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 So, Sarah begins to suspect that maybe her sister didn't kill herself because it didn't make sense. Her sister, was last time they spoke, was extremely happy. She was going to get surgery you know, to get a cornea re uh, transplant to restore her sight. She was looking forward to it, so it didn't make sense that she would just hang herself just before everything was about to happen. The other clue is she hung herself during a blackout, and when, they, you know, she, uh, Sarah's there with the police, and they're, you know, oh, I'm crying and everything, and the power comes on while they're there. The CD player comes on, and it's playing some song on a CD, which means this is what Julia was listening to when she died, but Sarah says... She hates this song with a passion. This doesn't make sense. Why would she be listening to this song when she killed herself? So, basically, we got a mystery going on here. And Sarah's out to find her sister's killer. And her husband doesn't want her to do it, who, by the way, is a very nice-looking silver fox. He's not super, super hot, but I was like, okay, nice job, Julia. I've got to keep calling her Julia, but she's not. She's Sarah. <sighs> this is what happens when you play the... She played both roles. Balan played both, both Julia and Sarah, and that's why I'm getting them confused. And I'm sorry if I'm confusing the, you guys. And you know what? I'm just going to stop right here then because this movie is really, 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 really good. It kind of loses its way in the last reel a bit. It has a, 
an ending that I didn't quite expect. I mean, the ending ending, yes, but the uh, denouement, if you will, the payoff scene, or, you know, the wind-down scene, if you want, was, was not what I expected, but it was fitting. But what the atmosphere, like in the orphanage here, is just wonderfully, wonderfully oppressive. It plays a lot, not surprisingly, with light and dark, because Sara is also losing her vision. So you have a lot of, you get to see the world through her eyes, and, you know, things keep getting increasingly dim and more and more tunnel vision throughout the movie. And it's just really, really effective. And I'm sorry I'm being so generic, but I really can't spoil anything. The other thing that this movie is really good at doing, several times, there's a situation set up that is really not threatening, shouldn't be scary at all, but through the direction and the screenwriting and the lighting, it's just terrifying. And I'm talking about a scene in a locker room where Sara is in a locker room at a blind school with a bunch of naked blind women who are just having a conversation. There's nothing scary about it, except that there is. I couldn't breathe for the minute, minute and a half that this scene went on. I was afraid. I just caught myself. I'm like, I am waiting to exhale. I am Tony, totally, 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 totally Angela Bettis right now. Not Angela Bettis. Who the hell am I thinking of? You know, okay, you know what? Fine. I'm Angela Bettis right now. I'll take that. Fuck it. Oh, God. I'm sorry, guys. I've done a horrible job with this. But I highly recommend Julia's Eyes. So take a peek through them. If you dare. Okay, y'all had the great idea of suggesting movies to me. Well, you know what time it is? It is time for you to stand up and put your money where your mouth is. Ooh, wait, wait, that, that, that's not where, where... That's not where your money is, but that feels nice. So you can keep your mouth there. I'm just kidding. So, the first lamb up for the slaughter is... Listener Trey. Because he suggested that I watch Grave Encounters. And now I'm going to tell him what I thought of it. Right after we listen to the trailer. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Grave Encounters. Psychiatric hospitals like this were seen as sort of a, a dumping ground for embarrassing family members rather than a place that they could go to actually get help. Many of them were severely disturbed. Truly frightening. I swear to God that I saw someone in the hall there. And he swears that, that, that someone pushed him off the ladder. Can you guys see this window here? I lock it up real good at night. Come back in the morning, 
Sometimes this thing's wide open. Tonight, my crew and I, using the most sophisticated in ghost hunting equipment, we're in search of definitive proof of spirits that were unsettled in life and possibly unsettled in the afterlife. Is there someone here with us? What if this is something real? Did you get that? TC, you're rolling, man. Yeah. I'm gonna document everything because when we get out, people are gonna want to see this. Matt and Houston are gone. We just need to focus on finding a way out. Okay, 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 shut up already! God, somebody give that girl a Valium! Or an Enema, or both! Who cares? So, Grave Encounters, if you haven't figured it out, it's another found footage pseudo-documentary thing. And it follows this group of, you know, uh, they're, they're spoofing the Ghost Hunters phenomenon. They have their own paranormal investigation show, and they go into uh, investigate this abandoned asylum, much like we saw in session nine. Although that wasn't about paranormal activity workers, but you know, paranormal researchers. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's the same kind of setting, same kind of vibe, and of course, they find more than they bargain for when they're locked in overnight. And it turns out there is something there after all. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, I'll stop doing that. Okay, Trey, are you ready for your verdict? Are you ready to get your reward? Are you ready to take your punishment? Well, I liked it. Aww. I liked it quite a bit. So well done, Trey. That is two gold stars for you two weeks in a row. And I have to say once again, gold stars cannot be redeemed for a tiara ever. Overall, this movie works really well. Yeah, we've seen the found footage thing before. Yeah, we've seen the haunted asylum thing before. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this does work on its own. In the first half of the film, when they're, you know, getting into the uh, the faux part of it, you know, they're, they're putting their fake show together and they're really relishing in the fact that how stupid all this is. It's really quite a funny spoof of all this, this, this glut of stupid paranormal investigation shows that are obviously such garbage and, you know, full of shit, you know. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh, my God. Did you hear that? 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 I feel something. Oh, it's par- Shut up! And the guy who plays the lead, and, of course, he's the star of the show, is such a douche, and he plays the douche card to the hilt. Now, this might be off-putting for a lot of people because he is really, 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 really quite irritating, but the thing is... Yeah, if you're doing this show, and you're the lead of the show, you're the star and the producer of the show, you are going to be an enormous douchebag, and he is, and his crew isn't much better. So, 
They decide to get locked into this asylum overnight. No other possible way out than the front door. And nobody thinks this is a bad idea. Because they figure, this is bullshit anyway. We'll make shit up all night. And quite a good portion of the night, they do. Then paranormal stuff does indeed start occurring. And I don't want to spoil this. Now, Trey semi-spoiled it in one of his calls. He did his best to, uh, to uh, circumvent it. And I think, no, he didn't spoil it. But there is a change halfway through the film. It's going in one direction. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay. And it changes the entire feel of the film after that. It turns into a, not another movie, but just the, the stakes get a hell of a lot higher halfway through the film. And it's a good twist. It's not even a twist. It's not. It's a nice addition to the story, and it woke me up to uh, at a point where I might have just been started to get tired with, it. and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh damn, these bitches all in trouble. Okay, now Trey, before you start patting yourself on the back too much about this, because I can hear you getting all smug. I can. T- I can just. I can just sense it. There are a lot of problems with the movie. First of all, it's too long. By the end of it, I'm like, oh, come on, wrap it up. And it gets repetitive. It does get repetitive because a lot of the, the the haunting stuff is just noises and screaming and stuff from other rooms. And it gets constant uh, towards the end. Like the the, uh, the barrage of assaults is pretty much nonstop. And I just was on overwhelm, just was getting as exhausted as the characters were. Maybe that was a choice, but as, a, as watching it at home, it just made me want to turn it off for a while. Maybe if I was in the theater and didn't have that option... It would be different, but I didn't get that option. I'll take what I got and shit. And there's some unnecessary CGI in here, and it's not good. They do their best to cover it because it's always in green screen, you know, night vision. So that does a good job of masking some of it, but it wasn't even necessary. Like, you would have been fine without it. But they chose to do it. It's not awful. But it did take me out of the film for a minute. And then there's my big beef with it. And I do have a big beef. The improv. Clearly a lot of the script is improv. And one of the signs of bad improv acting is when you use the F-bomb excessively. Excessively. When everything is this loud all the time. When you're shouting constantly. When everything is a confrontation. And everything is peppered with so many fucks. That it just, I don't know, it drives me crazy. Be like, fuck, we're so fucked, we gotta get the fuck out of here. The fucking door won't open and the fucking air is fucking doing this and fucking you fuck, 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 fuck. Always a sign of bad improv acting. Sister Mary Aloysius used to say that a foul mouth is a sign of a small mind. And that is the case in improv acting. You can't think of anything else, you just say fuck a lot. There's one character who does this more than any of them. And... What that does, I mean, the fact that he's shouting constantly, it, it pulls focus from everybody else. It's hard to, I'm just like, shut up. I want to hear other people. Because you don't have anything to say. You just keep dropping F-bombs thinking that they're advancing the story, and they're not. Well, the other people are doing a better job of advancing the story. But, you know, when I, he could not die fast enough. Did he? Finally? I'm not telling. Because Grave Encounters is a recommend. So, Trey, well done. You were the first up to the firing squad. And you took it like a pro. You took it right in the face and came out smiling because you're a fucking whore and I love you. Bang, bang, bang.
Okay, so coming up next in the show, we're going to take a little trip back in time to 1991 or 1989, depending on who you're talking to, to take a look at the Julian Sands opus, Warlock. Now, some of you might be wondering, why, Patrick? Why are you going all the way back in time to such a mediocre movie? Well, I'll tell you. But not till after the trailer. Ha. In a time of fear and suspicion. Do you choose to admit your crimes before man and God? His coming was foretold. Now... Here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. For you are the first to have laid eyes upon the new Messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the present. Do you know what he's capable of? Next time he's gonna kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. Okay, so, why are we talking about Warlock? Well, I'll tell you, I got an email a couple of weeks ago from a young man who I have not corresponded with before who said, hey, I wrote a song about Julian Sands in Warlock. Would you like to play it on your show? And I listened to the song. I said, this guy's a genius. (laughs) I got to have him on, and I got to have him talk about Warlock with me and introduce you guys to his music. So, without any more further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Homer Mars. Hello. What's up, podcast world? Hi, how are you, Patrick? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for reaching out to me. This is exactly the kind of stuff I love. And you nailed my email voice, because that that's exactly how I compose my emails. <laughs> Every time I write, especially when I... Oh, I think I just lost it. Homer? Homer? Homer, can you hear me? Homer, can you feel me? Yes, I'm here. Okay, you disappeared for a while. And I think you just did it again, Homer. Homer, are you there? Speak to me. No, no, Live. I'm here. Can you hear me? Live. Okay, now yeah. you're back. Okay. Can you can hear me? <laughs> yes, now I can hear you. Where were we? Oh, well, I just noticed um, that when in your letter, the initial letter, there was a certain kind of timidity that I found adorable. You're like, I was just saying, ah, yeah. <laughs> that, yes, okay. that was your voice. So I, I felt that. I felt it. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh-huh. And I went looking. I'm like, oh, because I have people occasionally submitting shit to me and some of it is just like what do you get what kind of submissions do you get well i got somebody this is when i first started i got a letter i can't i shouldn't even 
Yeah, I will. Okay, I got a submission from a girl who claimed to be on American Idol. Oh, wow. And she now does a cabaret, a horror-themed cabaret, and she sent me a video, and she's like, and it was supposed to be from her agent. She's like, Miss Blah 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 will be happy to appear on your show at any time to promote her material. And I watched this video, and it was like the most painful thing. Oh, wow. And, you know, I ran it by my gays. I ran it by my <laughs> troop of gays who live by American Idol, and they were like, I don't know her. And then somebody finally did like, yeah, she got kicked off the first season and was crazy. Like she was one of those people in the audition process. Yeah. That don't actually get on the show. So I gotcha. Like, okay, so, so they so showed her in like a clip. Yeah. You're misrepresenting yourself and you sent me musical diarrhea and not even funny musical diarrhea because diarrhea can be hilarious. <sighs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, it's I one mean, of the funniest things. <laughs> when I'm bored, I try to just induce diarrhea just to <laughs> amuse myself. <laughs> Quick trip to Taco Bell and I am hilarious. <laughs> It's a chalupa party in my pants. <laughs> oh, okay. Goodness. So the song that you approached me with was A Prayer for Julian Sands, if I'm yeah. not getting the title wrong. Now, um, I'm probably going to play the song. Well, let's just – should I play the song first or should we talk about the movie first? Your call. Oh, I, I, that's, that's, it's your show. I, I, I'm not a podcaster myself, so I couldn't tell you when listener retention is – uh, you know, when they want to hear the song, I really, yeah, no I know. Well, I'm just, well, yes, I, neither do I, I've never done anything like this before. So, um, I'm going to say just I for my own purposes, oh. yeah, because it will give us something to talk about while we talk about the movie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, as I said, Homer approached me with his song called a prayer for Julian Sands. Now I started watching it and I thought, why would anybody want to write a prayer for Julian Sands? And actually it's better with the video. So I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes. Homer, remind me to do that because I always forget to put anything in the show notes. But uh, without <laughs> yeah. any, but let's uh, stop talking, Patrick, and play the goddamn song. Homer, just smack me when I get like this. I will. But you didn't. Ah, thank you. You're good. A prayer for Julian Sands. You came on the scene in a room with a view. The film world held great promises for you. We saw such glamour in your blonde hair, your frightening eyes, their penetrating stare, that dippy glare. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer to you. This is my prayer for you. Julian Sands In 87 he moved to the States A British lad on his way to being great Chasing big screen fate Did you want more killing fields? Action flicks with massive audience appeal. What would define your real? Well, Hollywood gave you Warlock and other B film leads and sinister supporting roles. Did you compromise your dreams? Julian Sands Were you better than arachnophobia 
better than boxing hell another TV adaptation of Stargate better than vibes do you want more than season 5 of 24 better than the punchline Or do you just feel fortunate that we even know your name? Inside us all is an evil man with gorgeous looks and a hypnotizing tan, doing the best he can. Our Father, please bless him and what he represents. The artist who gets sort of far and never quite relents. Bless persistence, bless acceptance, bless the almost ones. Bless the ones turned into jokes who still do not give up like Julian Sands. Bravo, 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 sir. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, the thing that really struck me about this song, because you, you, you said that you were a comedian, uh, you do horror things. This song I found really quite sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think life is pretty sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I can say that uh, I, I, I do, you know, do comedy. Um, mm -hmm. With the, the music that I do, some of it is more straightforwardly humorous and then other other of it is not. And uh, the Julian Sand song, I definitely, it has a serious um, a, a serious side to it, for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm, I'm being very serious about with it. Uh, but also... I think the the humor comes in um, sort of a and just the idea that we're being so serious about a person that a lot of people don't um, unfortunately a lot of people don't know of Julian Sands or his mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. um, and it's and funny his, and, and I, his and his tumble from class right yeah ex <laughs> from class exactly. and society and you know Merchant and Ivory to yeah uh, well I saw him at Horror Hound Weekend yeah three years ago and um yeah he wasn't happy to be there. No, really? <laughs> no, no. Did he you get his autograph? No. Oh. I only saw, uh, I it was, it's so crowded there, I literally only saw him for a second. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, uh, well, well, uh, so, so it's kind of complicated, but, you know, um, it's not supposed to be a laugh out loud song. For, that's for, mm -hmm. for sure. But, uh, you know, it's people, I first performed it on stage. Uh, uh, in a, a sketch comedy show here in Chicago at the Annoyance Theater, mm -hmm. and people would laugh a lot during the sh during the um, performance because we had a slideshow going behind us of um, photos of him, and you know he's worked with amazing people. And oh yes, uh, I mean where he was like Cindy Lauper and Annie Lennox and um, mm -hmm. Bernadette Peters and Mandy Patinkin and all these people. Uh, so it was really cool to sort of jog everyone's memory and, and have everyone go like, oh my god, that's him. Oh my god, that's Cindy Lauper. Uh, and so it was really funny. Um, it was sort of the idea that we were being so like doing this very serious ode to this person that a lot of people sort of didn't remember mm -hmm. or or maybe remembered somewhat. They found humor in that, I think. And um, 
we wanted to try to sort of translate it to the video and um, try to sort of up the idea that uh, that I or the character in the song mm. ha- has a very sort of serious um, uses a person who's kind of a peripheral pop culture figure. I guess I can say that peripheral pop culture figure. You um, sound so classy right now. <laughs> that's my that's what I try to do. Oh, yeah, it's, just, it's all it's all a big ruse. Um, <sighs> it's sort, sort of use a, a person who's a very peripheral pop culture figure. I'll say it again. And uh, now you're just and, showing off and be very <laughs> a bear, and being very serious about him and, and really trying to to harness, uh, you know, or not harness, harvest some kind of deeper meaning in, mm-hmm. in what that person might represent. You know? Well, that's actually what really got me. Like I went in for the ha ha. But the fact that you actually made some made me feel something completely different and <laughs> feel it quite deeply and actually feel sorry for someone who I really don't give a shit about. I said, this guy is somebody to call. <laughs> well, thank you for calling me. I, I think most of that is the cello. I mean, you throw a cello on any song and people are just crying. So I, I attribute that to uh, the guy who played the cello. Which you was, are very uh, humble, sir. You are very <laughs> humble. He would have been nothing without you. So, by the way, I love your stuff. Thank you. That you sent me. I <laughs> I was fully expecting not to enjoy the vampire alphabet, <laughs> but I was giggling like a fool by the end of it. Well, I'm I'm glad I disappointed your expectations. Well, you did very much so. Like you started off, with, you started off with Anne Rice and like. <laughs> I actually have a. Uh, I'll send you the MP3 of that because we did we did do a recording. It's funnier when you see the slideshow with it too. But we yeah. did. Uh, do a proper recording, uh, Natalie and I, because we did the show. That's we did a show called Tunes of Terror, which was uh, designed to be a Halloween like um, acoustic rock show. And uh, so we wrote a whole bunch of originals and then did a bunch of covers. And we did the show again this year at the Annoyance Theater here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we made a couple proper recordings to like try to circulate before okay. the show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I always say there's always something more magical about the live audience. Always, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the MP3, I'm sure, is cute and wonderful, but just hearing the, the crowd go wild was, 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 is always a good thing for me. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, and what was the other one? Oh, the Omen thing. The Omen trailer. So, if I'm not mistaken, you just took the actual words of the original Omen trailer and set them to cutesy folk music. Oh. I think I just lost Homer. And that's oh, yeah. when I said that Homer Mars is probably the most talented per- What? Oh, did you go away? I went away, no, yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally Sorry. kidding. I knew you did. No, I get oh, okay. it. It's your first time with Skype, and that is, sometimes happens. Is it my Skype? Or, I, I don't really know what's going on, though, because it, it says that uh, I'm not even touching it, and it says that I've cut out of the internet. We'll just all be patient and hold on. Okay. Tight. It'll yeah. all be fine. So anyway, I was asking you about the Omen trailer. Yes. So you just took the words from the yes. original movie trailer and set them to adorable folk music. Yes. If you listen, if you can find the trailer on YouTube or I, I mean, I have the Omen on DVD, so it came with the trailer, but it, it is, it is verbatim. Uh, I just like kind of shut my eyes and wrote down everything that I heard. It, um, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to catch that because I'm like, okay, they're just describing the plot. And then after all, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this well, is well, genius. Yeah. Oh, thank, you. thank you so much. I, I think we explain it. In the, I'm not very happy with the quality of that recording, obviously. So it, we haven't really circulated that. I mean, I have it. I'm a YouTube page, but no one's really seen it. But when we did the show live, we, we played the trailer mm. uh, on a projection screen first. So the okay. audience got, you know, like a nice little escape from our voices for two minutes so we played the trailer and then we just immediately performed the song so people caught it um right away you know okay, what i mean good so no, it, I, it, I, it didn't really need explaining when we did it live and that served it best you know 
Yeah, of course, of course. However, by the time it hit, I'm like, this is just, this is funny. (laughs) Just the idea that you did that, but just that the music is so out of sync with the message of it is just a a slice of genius. Oh, well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. So my question for you. Yeah. Why me? Why did you reach out to me? Uh, Because I saw that you were a, a horror podcast about uh or that not about gays and lesbians but that you are an openly gay podcaster doing uh you know horror related stuff and uh so i thought you might be interested in what i was doing because i'm a similar uh, you know we fit the same demographic so mm-hmm. i just was, oh mm-hmm. he made he sounds like someone who might get a kick out of what i'm doing it's, it, it's hard it's hard to find people who like um share the same sense of humor oh, and or trust you know what i mean so i was child, like oh, maybe, please yes yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. used to going through my day having people look at me like my head just fell off. Yeah, exactly. So thanks huh? for the wonderful connections to the internet. Weirdos like us can find each other. Uh, it was magic at first sight. <laughs> first Skype. For, well, yes, that too. Yes, this, this, this is, well, I think this is, this is all great stuff, so I'll probably be using this spliced in. But this is Homer's first Skype. Yes, I'm a, please be gentle with me and I expect you to call me tomorrow. This is my first time. Can I, can I just buy an egg McMuffin <laughs> and give you some bus fare? Uh, fine. No, that's all right. Well, I, I have to return the sentiment to a degree. You are my first Homer. Oh, well, that's good to know. I have never met a Homer in my life. Do you know, I haven't either, but um, I, I, two real quick anecdotes. One is when I was in college, I subscribed to Spin Magazine, and I called to update my um, subscription, and the guy answered the phone, Spin Magazine, this is Homer speaking, and I was like, did you say your name was Homer? And this was before caller ID. Yes. And I was like, did, did you say your name was Homer? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, my, my name is Homer. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Can I help you with anything? Oh, like he did, I was like, have you ever met another Homer? And he's like, let me think about it. No, I guess I haven't. And uh, I'm like, don't you think this is really weird? It's like, magic. We it's synchronicity. Yeah. This is what they make chick flicks about. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't share my moment, though. That's oh, what well, fuck him. That's why he works for Spin Magazine. That's why I canceled my subscription. Thank eventually. you, as well you should have. <laughs> and write them a letter saying, it's Homer's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Homer has no soul. And then know who you were talking about, because there's got to be only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad you contacted me. I love your sense of humor. I just, I just, I can see it's one of those things either you get or you don't. Yeah, very much so. And I very get it. So. I get it hard. I mean, that didn't come out right. <laughs> or did it? Oh, yes, it did. All of, all of my innuendos are extremely calculated. So It's not a Freudian slip if it's deliberate. You see right through me. Anyway, so let's talk about Mr. Sands' fall from grace. Yeah. I actually didn't even make the connection that, you know, I mean, I knew he did the Merchant Ivory films, but I didn't realize that this was his, that Warlock was his big introduction to American mainstream culture. Uh, I think, yeah, probably. Well, no, no, he was in The Killing Fields, and that was Oscar nominated. Uh, the Killing Fields was was nominated for Best Film. Yes, it but, was. Um, yeah, so, but I don't think he was nominated for it. And uh, I don't know, you know, again, that even though that was nominated for Best Film, I think Killing Fields was more of an art film or considered mm-hmm. more of yes, a, a I, like film. I said, mainstream. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're yeah. right. Um, you're right, Patrick. I'm so sorry. <sighs> I know. God, uh, Warlock, um, interesting thing about Warlock. I You, you had mentioned released in 89 or 91. Uh-huh. I, I spent a few years as a kid living in England. Oh. And uh, I rented Warlock in 1990. I rented Warlock. And my friend and I watched it 
uh, at a sleepover party. And um, we were very, very scared of it, especially the Chandler scene, the scene when he talks to the Chandler, which I'm sure we'll get to, really, really frightened the bejesus out of me. And so, and I think that's also maybe one reason why Julian Stan sort of stuck in my head is because my first exposure to him was through that movie and I found him very frightening. Okay. Um, and, uh, but then we moved back to America and then a good year and a half later, suddenly Warlock is coming to theaters and it boggled my mind. I'm like, I rented, what? I rented that movie. I remember renting it a year and a half ago when we lived in England. Why mm. is it coming to theaters now? Um, but I steered clear of it cause I was still, I was still very scared. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then I grew up enough by the time the sequel. Oh no. Homer. Uh Oh, are you there? I can the hear war- you. The warlock gotcha. Uh, yeah. So you had grown up enough by the time you'd seen the sequel, by the time the sequel came out, dot, dot, dot. And you're gone again. Uh, the spills that you thrill at my back Made me feel with satisfaction I wind it down, satisfaction of what's come I wouldn't ask for another Hello? Are you there? I'm here I, I, I don't understand it, but hey, it's life, you know Yeah, <laughs> Skype does so, not like you Yeah, sorry So where where were we? So yeah, I have I, no idea But I remember <laughs> saying, uh, okay, so that was my first exposure to him was, was in seeing Warlock And then also, yeah, a year and a half later living in America again uh, It was now coming to theaters So that was also my first exposure to like the idea of film marketing And how movies huh. can be made for one market and sort of released here And then, you know, greenlit suddenly in another market and right. now it's in theater so yeah, uh, i wasn't yeah. aware of any of that at the time so my first edi- uh, uh introduction to warlock was not as good because i was <laughs> in that second wave and i was fooled into seeing it in the movie theater and the difference between us being is that i'm old so when that when i got went to see that they marketed it like it was going to be terrifying yeah yeah and it wasn't and the no. thing is i was watching it now as an adult and i said why does this have an R rating? Because this would be a great PG, PG-13 film. That's a really good point. Because and for the most part, the, the violence wasn't that violent. It could have been toned down just a little bit. There was really no language except for fuck brain at the very end. Yeah. But I just it, it totally missed really this market. Right. And it would have, it, you're absolutely right. I never thought of that, Patrick. That's brilliant. Because it because would have really hit with the middle school kids. It, it really would have because the special effects scary. are very cartoony. Yeah. And stuff that it really could have been in that Monster Squad Goonies box. Yeah. Because every all, all the even, performance. Yeah, sorry. You go. The first two Poltergeist movies were PG and PG 13. Yes, they were. So, um, of course, I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> but, I know, but, but, I mean, but it's you know, a valid point. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have. Yeah, that's a good point. We need to write to Trimark if they're still alive and let them know that rating that movie R was the, was the mistake that they made. It was, absolutely. Yeah, so I was not happy. In the movie theater. And I had already seen the Merchant Ivory films. I'd seen Room with a View. Was that the one he was in? Yes. Yeah. I'd seen that. So I knew who he was. And that yeah. was one of the other things that lured me into the movie theater. I'm like, oh, Julian Sands is a really classy actor. Yeah. This must be a classy movie. And it was. Yeah. It just yeah. wasn't. And uh, that whole period was not a good time for me and horror movies because The Gate did the same thing. That movie, The Gate, they marketed it like the scariest thing ever. And that was for kids. Yeah. And, and it, it right they did they did try to sell it as more frightening than it was yeah it was sort of like a darker goonies yes but the thing i found fascinating that even in 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 the in the framework of the film that even in 1691 people had 80s hair <laughs> yeah of course richard yeah, richard st john richard st james whatever his name is the guy who richard played e. grant richard e grant thank yeah. you serious 80s hair and there's yeah. another actor i'm like i just saw him with meryl streep 
That's Richard E. Grant. That's who you yeah. saw with Meryl Streep in the Iron Lady. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. I'm like, he's a. He, well, somebody went up. Somebody yeah. went down. <laughs> you know what I? You know what I knew him from was um. I I, I knew Richard E. Grant from uh, Ready to Wear, the Robert Altman movie about the fashion industry that was like a huge bomb. Yes, yes, yes. He they, he has a, a one. He has a part in that as one of the eccentric designers, and um, uh, he, he had this line that he said at one point in the movie. He was complaining about uh, a, an outfit or something, and he goes, uh, "It makes my flesh crawl." And <laughs> my friend and I repeated that for about a year after the movie. Anytime something bad happened, we would go, "It makes my flesh." Cruel. Yes. And so when I just put it together that that was like Richard E. Grant was the guy hunting Julian Sands and Warlock, I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Everybody needs a paycheck. Hey, he yeah. might have been friends with Julian Sands. Julian Sands like, I don't do this one alone. Yeah. I think Richard E. Grant in Warlock just looks surprised the entire movie. I he mean, does. His eyes, it, he it, does. It looks like he's all forehead in that movie. Like uh-huh. his eyes, just, I don't know all if it's the way they're doing his hair, but he looks surprised every single line. All forehead line. and 80s hair. Yeah, <laughs> the '80s mullet. He's got this Nick Cage thing going on. Yeah. It's, that's yes. kind of frightening. Um, uh, did, did, did. The other thing that threw me off right at the beginning, that threw me just watching it this time, that just struck me when he's being condemned by the, I guess the priests or whatever they are, and he's like, "You shall be hanged tomorrow morn, and then your corpse shall be burned, burned at the stake over a basket of living cats." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What the cats have to do with anything? That's just mean. That's it is, just mean. I don't know. Well, that's why I think he had to teleport himself to the 20th century because he just was like, that's gratuitous and unkind and you can punish me, but don't you hurt those cats. Don't you hurt those cats. Yeah. That is they didn't cool. do anything wrong. They haven't even written a musical about themselves yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm watching this. Okay. The scene that you talked about, the what'd you call it? The channeler scene? The Chandler's death scene, yeah. With Mary Warnoff, who is one of my favorite actresses. What is in the she genre. from? Yeah, I, I, I'm not She's from everything. Her. She was in uh, Rock and Roll High School. She was in oh, yeah. a lot of those. I can't even. She was in Eating Raul. She was in um, Night of the Comet. She's a um, great character actress. She's in The House of the Devil that was going around the festival circuits last year. Um, she always gives really solid, solid performances in not always so very solid films. Right. And. Uh, she had a very, uh, she has a, or at least in Warlock, I thought had a very, very masculine looking face. I mean, I, I half thought she, she was a man in drag. Yeah, She does have a very masculine looking face. However, this is my Broadway geek coming out. She made her Broadway debut in 1973 in a play called In the Boom Boom Room in which she was a topless dancer with Madeline Kahn. So she was butt ass naked with Madeline Kahn on stage. So she's a woman. That's awesome. Yes. The Boom Boom Room. Is that a musical? In the, no, it's not. No, it's a very, okay. very depressing play. Oh, despite yes. its title. Yes, but I really got a kick at Now, the warlock, he kills, he goes to see this channeler and kills her. You know, he, yeah. he actually, no, he uses it to summon his father. I, I'm not kidding you. When I was, when, when I rented that, when I was young, I had to fast forward. As soon as her, she became possessed and uh, Zamiel or whatever he calls the devil. He uh-huh. calls her conjurer and she thinks she's, she's swindling him and she thinks she's conjuring uh, one of his dead friends or something. Mm. Uh, and then uh, he says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm still waiting for the real, you know, Zamiel or whoever yes. it is to appear. And yeah. then suddenly she becomes possessed. Of- oh, God. Homer. Homer, did Zamiel get you? Homer. Hello again. Hi, honey. Hello again. Welcome back. I thought Azimiel got you or whatever again. his name was. I always thought Azimiel was one of the lost Cosby kids, but that's another hey. story. But Yeah. But yeah, you were right. That, that <laughs> was actually the best part of the movie. 
You know, the makeup's pretty yeah. scary on her. She gets all possessed. She gets demon eyes. She starts talking with they one of those right, right, right. voices. Yeah. And um, the special effects are decent. Decent. Oh, God. I'm going to kill you. Are you there? Oh, there you are. Hi. The special effects are decent. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. I can hear you. Okay. Hi. Okay. Okay, That's, cool. It's going to be like 20 minutes of the call. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Anyway, but yeah, it's scary. And then at the end of it, he kills her by cutting out her eyes with this crystal. You don't see anything. So we're still holding the PG. However, this is what got me. He takes the eyes and puts them, the, the severed eyes, and puts them in, her, in his hand, and they guide him yes. to whatever he was looking for. Yes. And I started laughing because it reminds me of the Geico commercials that they have now. Which one? Oh, the one with the ping pong ball eyes sitting on the top oh, of the yeah, funny. Yeah, and I yeah. always feel yeah, like yeah. somebody's watching me. <laughs> I started giggling so hard. I'm like, and it's completely, you know, jaded. Yeah. 21st century viewer doing that. But again, it was so cartoony. They took something that was ghoulish and made it cartoony and cute. And I said, this would have been so good for kids. Yeah. Eye gouging is a little extreme, but still. Anyway. And then. And then the part where they're out on the farm and he's flying and they have um, – um, oh, I forget. The whip around his ankle or whatever it was. Yes, it's a whip. It's a whip, yeah. he got, Richard E. Grant tries to catch him with the whip while, while Sans is levitating. But he's still flying and they're yeah. chasing he, – he, but he's still holding on to the whip. So he's basically on a leash and I just started singing, let's go fly a kite. <laughs> up to the highest height. And you really don't want to be channeling Mary Poppins no. during a horror movie. No. I forgot about that. I love that scene, though. When I, I just remember, I liked that that scene was during the daytime. Yes. Because I thought it just kind of made it a little bit cooler to appreciate. Yes. I don't know. And, um, yes, and they added that Mennonite dude. I love the Mennonite dude. Oh, yeah, the older guy, yeah. The bread and that doesn't rise and the, the milk bread, that goes sour. The cane that doesn't curdle. The coat <laughs> curdles overnight. Yes. I don't know why he's Irish now. <laughs> he's a, I thought he was a pirate. Yes. He's an Irish Mennonite pirate. They're very rare. They're they very are. dangerous. But Hollywood loves them. Hollywood they do. Loves them. They do. They can't get he enough. Probably got, he probably retired off that one movie. Now, I'm going to make a little sidebar here. So, Homer, if you'll excuse me. So, we're talking about Mennonites here, kids. Now, some of you might remember when Bradford and I went to that wedding in Ohio. I made a series of videos. And in it, Bradford and I had to make up a series of Mennonite jokes because my nephew was marrying a girl who is Mennonite. One of these jokes wound up on Family Guy about three weeks after I posted that video. No if, way. If you, yeah, way. So if any of you can write me, tweet me, call me, and tell me what joke about Mennonites that I made wound up on the Family Guy, you win a free copy of Hostel 3 on DVD. Now back Whoa. to Homer. That's all. That's a great. That's a great little contest you got there. Yes, that's how I force people to watch shit that they wouldn't normally watch because nobody cares about my vacation video. <laughs> Oh, the other thing I like was when he gave um, 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 a Lori Singer, who I used to love on Fame, hated in this movie, but that's not the point right now. He gave her, gave her the nails, and yes, said, hammer them into his footprints. And yes, she's like what? He's like, you must use the blessed hammer. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, uh, that that was cool. I remember I, that. I heard it. I heard it capitalized and italicized in my head. The blessed hammer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, which sounds like a wrestling wrestling move or like uh, um, um, a dirty Sanchez. <laughs> the blessed hammer. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's going to wind up on. Uh, that's going to be the new Santorum. Ew, gross. Uh, the other thing I thought was great. Well, one of those really scary moments when he was threat when he was threatening the pastor and his wife. Yes, that was creepy. That was creepy. And yeah. he really and he says, you know, if you don't want your children to be born slugs of cold flesh, yeah, lest you want them to be, yeah, like lest you want your child to be born cold lumps of sl- flesh. I wrote it down: cold slugs of cold flesh. Slugs of cold flesh. That's some good imagery there. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. It's like that's a moment of greatness right there. That's a man who's in control of his language, like yeah. those performers are, and it's yeah. just being wasted in this silly little movie. But now, did you take issue with like, watching it recently? Um, I took. I, I noticed something that I didn't notice the first time, which I do remember thinking it was wild in 1989 or 1990. Whenever I, I saw, you're going to say, but please exactly continue. that there was that there was a gay character. Uh, Laurie yes. Singer's roommate was gay. Do you remember the scene? But what I didn't notice was when. Uh, so unfortunately, spoiler alert: uh, he dies uh, <laughs> when she goes to the police station and they're interrogating her, uh, and they're like, "You said he was into this, 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 and this," and she goes, "I said he was gay, not queer. There's a difference." Yeah. Did you catch that line? Because I did catch that. I did because I was like, they wouldn't say that today. I wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah, they I wouldn't did, say that today. Yeah, implying, I guess, that like gay is like, if you're a nice homosexual, you're gay. But if you're into like deviant if you're, things. If you're queer, then you're weird. And then like you have to like, yeah, if you're queer, then you might be dangerous to like mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I used to have an issue with the word queer yeah. about that time myself anyway, because in my head, queer meant you were abnormal. The word itself means you're off. Yeah, or different. Yeah. Yeah. But now I embrace it. I still don't like it as much, but I, you know, there's, there's, there's better words. But still, yeah. that whole character thing... Actually, so I don't. I didn't remember him at all. But he showed up in his robe in the first scene. I'm like, huh? <laughs> he's, he's yeah. A little, he's a little light. When he said, "Don't, don't put him on the sofa. It's a hundred years old." I'm like, hmm. Yeah. What a gay thing to say. And then yeah. he was. And then they made yeah. out. They did, and then he lost his tongue. And yeah. Spoiler, 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 I'm, I, spoiler. I, I, I shouldn't be doing all these spoilers, should I? The movie's twenty years old. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's. I give you permission. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just don't reveal the part about the big musical sequence where Bjork shows up. I will not say anything about that. Because that part was scary. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome, Robert, our best. He loves Bjork jokes. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this, except I, it, I, it is kind of sad to watch the decline. Like, I looked at his IMDb after this, and it was like, oop, 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 boxing Elena, oop. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, Yes. Well, but but part okay. So I, back to a little bit of what I what 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 wanted me to, what wanted me to write the song. What why I wanted to write it, or I guess not wanted to, but what sort of came out as I was writing it. Uh, so I'm an actor myself, and I, uh, I I was having some struggling at the time, as all actors do at every level of their career, mm-hmm. with like, holy shit, why am I not um, more successful than I want to be than I mm-hmm. am? Why am I not getting the opportunities I want to get? Why am I losing the opportunities that I seem to want? Right. Uh, pay, paying almost no attention to the actual successes and opportunities that we do get. Yes. Uh, or at least that's the mindset that I was in at that time. Uh-huh. We and all have so, those, those periods. So, yeah, exactly. So, so Julian Sands, like I said, he kind of made an imprint on me when I was younger, uh, not just because of the Warlock thing, but I, you know, I was really into film and, like, when I was in high school, and I worked at a movie theater, and that was right around the time of Boxing Helena and... Um, Warlock 2 and the Browning version and uh, I, I kind of remembered him being a big deal at the time and my friends and I thought he was um, kind of ridiculous you know mm-hmm. and as a teenager we kind of thought he was you know um, 
like a Hollywood pretty boy who we didn't mm. think he could act very well or whatever. And uh, Homer, Homer, no Homer. Nobody's Homer. Nobody's Homer. I'm here now. Oh, now he's here. Okay. Yeah. So you thought he was a Sorry. pretty boy. Okay. So what, what I'm saying is I, I looked at him and thought, you know, he's someone that when I was a, a kid, I kind of was like, man, you know, what a joke or whatever. Uh, uh, and then as, you know, as an actor now thinking like my perspective on, on someone like him has changed radically to mm-hmm. thinking like that's he's had amazing success and he's he's had an amazing career. And to look at his IMDb page, you know, he's done, he's worked steadily in TV and film for 30 oh, yeah. years. Absolutely. He, <sighs> oh, Mark. The early 90s. Uh, and now, you know, he's not being used to sell them. Can you hear me? Yep, oh. you're there. You're you're. Going in and out, but am I am I here? Am I here? You are here. Okay, hold so on to my s- hands. I got you. Uh, I know. I'd like to. I don't understand why this keeps mm-hmm. happening, but anyway, it's okay. We'll me? work it out okay. for next time. I can hear you. Okay, sorry. Uh, so what I'm saying is, um, I looked up him on IMDb, and I and I saw that he's he's worked steadily and in a lot of major um, major things. He's not being mm-hmm. used to sell the projects as much anymore, uh, at least not to the general public. No, but um, but as an actor to look at that and, and and realize how incredibly rare a career like that is and how hard you have to work to sit oh my lord god jesus party rock is in the house tonight everybody just have a good time i'm here and we're okay i was just providing musical interlude till you got back okay but i yeah I, i'll keep my answers shorter in case that keeps happening so i don't know if i got out everything but I think I did. <laughs> I think he got. It. I think we got the gist of it that he's had this incredible career that maybe if someone not in the profession wouldn't really understand, be like, oh my god, he's working consistently, you know, doing excellent work nonstop. Maybe not always in the front, you know, above the title, so to speak. Absolutely. And to go from being to, to transition from being an above the title actor to being like a, a working actor, but obviously much much more than just a working actor. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, he still has a fan base, and obviously he still get, gets parts in major projects. Right, and um, actually that transition is not easy. Usually if you're above the line and you tank, you disappear. Exactly. That's exactly right. You're just gone. You are not used for anything. Mm-hmm. So in a way, that's more impressive. It is. <laughs> you know it what is. I mean? It is. So that, that's kind of what, that was kind of what, uh, once I started to write the song, that's kind of what uh, it became for me, was sort of an inspirational thing, as cheesy as that sounds. No, it doesn't sound cheesy at all. I get it. Maybe, maybe, never mind. I get it. That's all that matters. I'm the most important person in the room right now, besides yourself. True story. Yes. Um, Since Skype is being so difficult, I think maybe we should wrap this up. Homer, where can people find you? Where can people find out more about you and your music and and things like that? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, My name is Homer Mars, uh, H-O-M-E-R-M-A-R-R-S. And I am on YouTube. My YouTube. My YouTube name is Turnpike Down, which is a, a Lemonhead song, which is kind of a stupid name that I have. But anyway, I have videos up there. No judgment. Um, yeah, no judgment. But anyway, um, I have some videos up there, like the, the Prayer for Julian Sands video. But I plan to be uh, much more active soon because I've been recording an EP that um, I do shows in the Chicago area. Like uh, I did the show at Mary's Attic, which is Hamburger Mary's here mm-hmm. uh, recently. And uh, I performed at Zany's a couple months ago. So I do um, stand up and variety shows in the Chicago area. Uh, but yeah, if anyone wants to, to know about those, they can hit me up on Twitter or uh, on Facebook um, or on YouTube <laughs> or on Bear 411. I'm also on that site. <laughs> I love you more now. 
I have I was, a song about Bear, a song on the EP is called Bear Four One One, and it oh, is I love that. See, I was going to say, I'm looking at your, I'm, lo- I'm sorry, I don't mean to be flirty, but I just was looking at your headshot. I'm like, you got such a cute little scritchy beard. Thank you. I just want to scritch your beard. <laughs> I, I aim for scritch. It's one of my favorite things in the world because you know I have my beard now, and I just that that that's the quickest way to win an argument with me. Really? Start scratching my beard. And I'm just, yeah. I, anyway, I, I, I scratch my beard when I when I'm thinking. Uh, my friends pointed that out to me that I kind of like if uh, I don't know what the answer is, I'll kind of tilt my head back and sc- scratch underneath my chin with my. Uh, that's my what beard. they're for. They're to make that's you look smart. Too. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's supposed to yeah. make you look hot and make you look smart. And yeah. they're working for you, Mister Homer. I'm Thank sorry. You. I'll stop and I'll behave myself. Okay, this has been a pleasure. It's been very fun. I I really appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, I wanted to let you know too because I thought you could get a kick out of this. So I know you do a Friday the 13th every Friday the 13th, right? Yes. Okay, so did I tell you I went to Crispin Glover's show two weeks ago? Oh, yeah, you did mention it, yes. But and I, and he, does, he does a book signing after he, he uh, tours with uh, these movies that he's uh, produced and directed. Mm-hmm. And he does a book signing or a DVD signing afterwards. And I had him sign my copy of Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which he's in, on Friday the 13th. And I was oh so my proud God. of myself for that. I was like, today is Friday the 13th, and you're signing my copy of Friday the 13th that you're in. Uh, so that was exciting. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, nerd. But you know what? Yeah, doesn't matter. Like, you yeah. thought it was amazing, and you're the most important person in that conversation. So there Bingo. you are. Bingo. Okay. Homer, what a pleasure. I hope to have you on the show again. Thank you so much, Patrick. I had a great time, and I, I promise I will... Uh, I will have a work a better working Skype connection next or time. Or we'll figure out something better because this I have this problem with everybody. Okay. okay. Good to know it's not just me. Well, All you right. have a great time and uh, let me know. Oh, don't forget to post the link to the video in the show notes. Thank you. Remind me that when the episode comes out. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I will. Great. Awesome. Okay. I look forward to it. Thank you, Patrick. Have and a I'll good be night, sure to Spread it around and have it. All my friends, all, all 20 of my fans look look at it. <laughs> all tens of them. I love you. Okay. Good night, right. sir. Bye-bye. Bye. A is for Anrise. B is for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Woo! C is for Coffin. That's where they sleep in their lair. D is for Dark Shadows. If you remember that you're old. E is for Edward. He's from Twilight.
Yeah, okay, right about here they segue into Zombie Jamboree, which is one of my favorite songs. You know, I played it here on the show before, the, uh, the rock-a-pella version of it, but you know what? We've already listened to you for like 40 minutes, Homer Mars, so go dominate somebody else's show. If you want to hear them do Zombie Jamboree, find them on the YouTube channel, okay? Okay. Yes, I agree. They're good things. Um, visually, it looks stunning. The mm-hmm. set design especially really helped elevate the movie for me. Um, you know, the storyline is about a girl who moves in with her her dad and his girlfriend. They're renovating an estate, and little creatures get loose and start going after the family. And the house itself looked like something of a fairy tale. Yes. There were just very elaborate carvings on the walls. Um, I remember the front door had like a tree carved into it. It just looked like something out of a fairy tale. And... Well, so visually, it really helped everything give it a fairy tale feel. Well, um, the creature design was really good. The creatures were CG, and I was a little worried about that, but they, they looked storybookish and nasty and mean, and I liked them. I thought, that, you know, the fact that they were going after a little girl really helped make the movie a little bit more scarier or more you, threatening. You pervert. But one thing is, this movie got an R rating, and I don't understand why. Maybe it's because the child was in danger, but there wasn't a whole lot of gore, not a lot of death scenes. I guess put an eight-year-old girl in trouble and you automatic R. I don't know. but So visually it was good. And the little girl was a good actress. She wasn't your she typical was. I liked Hollywood her. precocious, cutesy little kid. I mean, she's kind of chubby and ugly and she's a little bit of a brat early on. Nice! But God. she was intelligent without being too intelligent and I really liked her. Now, what I didn't like about the movie, um, my, my biggest problem was the script was just very generic and cookie cutter. I knew it was going to happen right before it happened. Nothing in the story surprised me, and this is based on a 1970s made-for-TV movie. And yes! It kind of felt like it. Like, they just didn't try mm-hmm. anything with the storyline, with the plot. It just, it was there. And nothing that happened was out of the ordinary. Um, and the second thing was the acting by Guy Pierce and Katie Holmes. Um, you know, Katie Holmes, what can you say? God bless uh... her. She, she tried, but she's just, she's so bland in this movie. And the thing is, I well, like her She's heavily character. medicated. I, when the movie got going, I really got into the relationship between Katie Holmes and the little girl and the bond they formed. Yes, I did too. So Katie Holmes' performance, it didn't stand in the way of me liking her character, but mm-hmm. it didn't elevate it either. And when no. it was over, I kept thinking to myself that if a 
more charismatic actress had played that role, I probably would have enjoyed the movie a lot better. But as it was, Katie Holmes was just kind of there. And Guy Pierce too, was just kind of there, kind of bland, a generic role. He's in the background. Mm-hmm. And so the, really the little girl had to carry the whole movie on her shoulders, and she mm-hmm. did a good job. Oh. So, you know, if if people were interested in this, you know, I wouldn't warn them away from it. But if someone had seen the trailers for it and it didn't really ring their bells, I, I can't see this winning them over. It's just it wasn't terrible, but, but it's just something memorable. And it's been three days since I've seen it, and I've forgotten most of it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that's my review for Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. and. Nice visuals and nasty little creatures. I just wish the storyline had been had been better. All right, that's it for now. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Ah, oh, Trey, my darling, my darling sister, and my bosom, bosom friend. It's always such a delight to hear from you. So don't be afraid of the dark. Well, we're going for a whole Guillermo del Toro thing today, which is cool. Yes, it is based on a TV movie. So they can't really get past that, even though they did change the plot of it a bit, because in the TV movie, it was an adult woman that was in danger, not a little girl. But I guess that plays into more of the whole fairy tale theme you were talking about. I liked it overall. I liked this. There was a good sense of suspense. Like, the mood was carrying a lot. The atmosphere was carrying a lot, where the script failed a bit. There and some of the modernizations were working for me. Some of that, I think, was some of the things you had problems with, though. Like you said, Guy Pierce and Katie Holmes were just kind of there. And I was wondering if that was a choice, because as parents, they were just kind of there. So even if there was nothing bad going on in the house, this little girl would still be fending for herself and carrying, well, the weight of whatever story she happened to be in. But um, the CGI creatures, I didn't have a problem with Overall, except they kept showing them too much and too brightly. And had they kept them in the dark longer, it would have been better. Or, But they didn't. You know, There's that, always that need for CGI people to show off what they've done and ruin the mystery. Because you know, there's, there's some parts where they're scampering in the dark and you're just kind of sort of seeing them. That's scary. Just getting little, little glimpses of, of claws and teeth and strange faces, but never ever getting real focus on it. That's really scary. My beef with it, too, is that they took it one step too far. In the TV movie, you never really understand what those things are. Not really. You kind of have a handle on it, but this thing... Once the little girl was step, was walking through the garden and stepped into... A ring of mushrooms. I said, really? They're fairies? Yeah, kids. They're fairies. It should be called Don't Be Afraid of Fairies. Except this one right here, girls. Oh, anyway. And then they put the whole, not just fairies, they're tooth fairies. That was lame. And plus, they spelled that all out in the opening credits, you know, in the books in the opening credits. So, of course, there was no surprises left. Had I discovered that on my own through the film, I probably still wouldn't have been thrilled about it, but I at least would have said, aha, I didn't know that by the time the credits were over. And I think I got an R rating for the intensity level. Yeah, A Little Girl's in Jeopardy, which is probably going to get you an R rating. And in severe Jeopardy, not like Goonies Jeopardy, like deathly, deathly Jeopardy. But, you know, that woman, the, the maid at the beginning, she gets her teeth pulled out. And granted, you don't see anything, but you hear everything. And that attack, there was attack on somebody else later on in the film. Oh, the handyman, which was pretty intense. And I think that's why I got it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they're pulling for it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It got it. Let's move on. Thank you for calling, Trey. I heart you. Bye.
Hey, Patrick, this is Bayou Hunter. from. Hey, Bayou. Bayou. I wanted to call in. Uh, me and my wife are watching a uh, show from Britain. It's uh, called Skins. Uh, they made a short-lived American version that, you know, was canceled sure, sure. after a season. Yep, but, I've seen some of it. So we're watching it, and one of the seasons, I don't want to get into spoiler ter- territory, so one of the seasons, like, kind of takes a horror sort of uh, turn. I was what? just wondering if you had seen that and or if you had feedback, because it was very interesting the way they did it. And I will say no more for uh, spoiler territory. Thank you. a pretty good show. Uh, if you get a chance, you might want to look into that. All right, I will talk to you all later. You have a good one. Hmm, very curious. Well, thank you for the tip, Bayou. I like that. Um, yeah, I am familiar with Skins, I, I and I'm not talking about the American one. I watched one of those and got really bored with it. But I watched the first season of the British one, uh, and I enjoyed it. And I started to watch the second one, and I didn't... I don't know, I just I just got distracted by other things. I can't imagine what. I probably had to start doing a podcast or something like that. But uh, uh, if there's a supernatural twist, that is very interesting. Uh, I'm wondering what season it would be because there's tons of things to get into. And, well, I'm probably going to have to watch the whole thing. Anyway. anyway, Skins, I'll check it out. Thank you for the tip. That is very que- queel of you. Very queel of you? I guess that's cool and queer, but you're straight. I don't know. I just got shut up. The next call. Hey, Patrick. This is Joe and Cincy. Hey, honey. Um, I'm sorry I haven't called earlier. Um, I've been, you know, wanted to call for a while, but, uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's a little hard to bring up the subject, as you may understand. Yeah, um, I know, baby. But uh, I just really wanted to thank um, you and all the other screen cleaners uh, for sending the flowers that you sent at the funeral. Um, it really meant a lot to me. Um, the flowers are beautiful, and I, I kept them by my, my bed for a long time because um, mm-hmm. it, it was just a you know a good reminder of, you know, and, and amazing, you know, just to, you know, this whole, you know, internet thing and, and being able to, you know, create, you know, friendships or, you know, some kind of a, you know, re- relationship in over in, in internet or even through podcasting, it, that just, it meant, it really meant a lot to me. And those flowers are especially special. So I just wanted to, you know, to verbally thank you for all that because, um, you know, it, it really, it really, it was very nice. You're welcome. And I really want to thank baby. you. Um, oh. And also, I really want to thank you, you uh, personally, for all of the, uh, uh, for you know, taking the time on your podcast to, you know, you know, talk about, you know, talk about me and you know what I was going through and about the support. Um, and I've had a lot of it. Um, and I just want to, you know, uh, it meant a lot to me. <laughs> So, um, and, um, you know, and the song and the trivia and everything, it, was, it just, mm-hmm. it, was, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, I do, I do have to say something though, um, and I'm, I'm sorry if you were ever confused, but, um, it wasn't Frank who you met at the, um, Horror Hound Weekend. It was actually my friend James. Oh. Um, Frank, uh, at the time he was in the hospital and he oh. wouldn't be able to come oh. and plus he was, oh. you know, he wasn't really interested in that stuff anyway, so. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, James was just a good friend. Uh, I hung out, you know, we've been friends for a long time and, um, you know, he, he's, I, I call him my, uh, my partner in crime because we, we like to go out and, you know, be debaucherous, but. Oh, please. I got that um, right away from the pair of you. Jesus. And, um, you know, as you were saying the tribute and you were, you know, speaking of meeting him and I just, uh, you know, 
I kind of felt, I really felt kind of bad, but then I did kind of start to giggle in a way because <laughs> I thought of all, you know, the next week or next time, you know, the Horon weekend and I bring him and then, ah! you know, even if I put him up in zombie makeup, cause I thought, you know, I know, I know I love zombies. And if you saw him there, he would probably just like, probably just shit in your pants. And oh, I would have. But, um, oh. I don't know. I'm not that mean. I don't feel like being that mean. But, you know, especially, you know, since all the screen covers have been wonderful. Um, <laughs> you know, thank you for all the support. And um, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Joe, thank you so much for calling in with that. Um, now, listeners, Joe actually sent this to me last week uh, for the last episode, but he got it in just after the cutoff. Um, now, I don't listen to the the voicemails in advance. However, when I download them, I do listen for a couple of seconds uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 seconds to find out who they're from so I know how to label them. So I I saw, I heard it was from Joe and I heard where it was starting to go and I heard about the flowers at the bedside and I was blubbing already, you know, you know inconsolable. And um, I wrote Joe a little note on Facebook like I do with people who don't get their, their, their feedback in in time. I just wrote, hey, I got your message. Just want to let you know I, you know, We'll be playing it on the next show. And I also said, I just listened to a little of it and I'm, thank you and you're welcome and all this other stuff. So I was dreading playing this now just because I knew what was waiting for me that, you know, it was going to be sad and it was going to bring up a lot of emotions, both good and bad. And then you just swing that thing in at the end about bringing your your friend to Horror Hell Weekend again and scaring the living shit out of me, and you brought it full circle, baby. Thank you. And um, it was the least that I could do. I wish I could have done more, I but um, I know how helpful the Scream Queens family out there was for me when I was going through something like that, not even remotely what you were going through. And if I just thought if all the people out there could give you an iota of what they gave to me, then it would be a huge blessing. And um, I'm glad to hear that it helped. And I love you very much, Joe. And I will talk to you soon. Well, for once, I'm not ending the show angry, but it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week, y'all. So, hey, if you want to be like all these cool people who contacted me this week, well, you can be old-fashioned and write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. Or you could call me at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. Or you can join in the conversations in the forums over at palaver.com. Now, here's something I want to talk about. Um, now, my Palaver forums are not going well. Now, I was hoping you guys would like get together in there and start talking among each other, but I don't know how to moderate these things. I don't know how to get conversations going. So if someone out there is particularly skilled with forums and forum conversations, please, I am asking you for your help. Contact me, write me, call me, tweet me, make me write bad checks, whatever you like, and um, maybe you could be my forum guy, girl, person. Okay, I'm on my knees begging, and I'm not like doing it in a sexy way. I could do it in a sexy way if you'll help me. Oh, you're all so dirty. Oh, and don't forget, you can really support the show by either making a donation through the PayPal button on the webpage or by buying the official Scream Queens t-shirt for just $20. Also available at the webpage, just click on the banner and we'll get one right out to you. 
And I don't know. I think that's about it. Until next time. Oh, speaking of next time, since it's Valentine's Day for a very special episode, what's more romantic than having tampons and maxi pads thrown at you while you're crying in fear and pain in a locker room? That's right. We're having a special all-carry, all-the-time episode. Why? Well, for one reason, the legendary Carrie musical, the biggest flop in Broadway history. The musical no one has dared to touch for 25 years is reopening off-Broadway. And the mysterious Mr. Owen and I have our tickets. And we're going to be talking about Carrie the Movie, Carrie the Musical, and I actually found out about another Carrie Musical that we might have some people on from too. Who knows? It's going to be a whole fuckload of telekinesis. That's what it's going to be. So don't forget to bring your dirty pillows because you're going to eat shit just like Carrie White. So until next time, remember to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, put those down right now. Those are not castanets, Carmen Miranda. They are my dentures. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! But before this virgin bride can worry about family planning, there's a wedding to get ready for. But Susie might need something a bit stronger when her sister gets a hold of a picture of the outfit one of the guests plans to wear to the wedding. Let me see that. A little bitch better not. I don't know. It kind of looks... Doesn't it look like I'm the only tiara? person who has the right to have a tiara. You better call yeah, soon after. I was looking over a picture. It's doing hot pink dress with these, like, little sparkles all over, and then a little wearing a tiara. I'm the only one allowed to wear a tiara at my wedding. Go outside and call soon. Make sure that she's not wearing a tiara. I'm the only one allowed to wear a tiara. I'm becoming a queen. I'm going from princess to queen. There will be no other princesses at my wedding. No other little bitch is going to wear a tiara. But since this bridezilla doesn't want to do her own dirty work, Alicia is forced to call on her behalf to demand the offending tiara be removed. I told her that you didn't want anyone else at the wedding wearing a tiara, and then she hung up on me. And that's not acceptable. Yeah, I told her I'll rip it out of her head. I'll lock her out of the building. You maybe take them outside to remove the tiara because if she has a little fit, well, if that little f- has a fit, I will f- knock her ass out so she's not awake for my ceremony to f- up. I'm pretty sure if we remove that tiara, there's going to be a lot of screaming. This is not happening at my wedding. But as if a rival in a tiara isn't bad enough, the groom appears to have overslept. He has five minutes to shower, get shaved, get his ass ready to go. Okay, well, he's running to the shower. Damn, I better be running. He'll be lucky if he ain't strangled tonight. Blame Corey for Taylor out being ready. I shouldn't let him go out last night. I should have lost him in my parents' room. Made him sleep next to my dad, partying all night with his ass. There's some good news regarding her wedding day nemesis. No tiara. No tiara. I'm going to be the only princess today at my wedding.